0: and welcome to another episode of Operation Sequel. Today, it's Onomusha 2, Samurai's Destiny. Onomusha 2 released in March of 2002 in Japan, in August of 2002 in North America, and PAL had to wait till October of the same year. Now, the director was a Morohide Ishiro, the artist was Akiri Anamiya, and the writing team was Noboru Sukamura, Hirohisa Sudai, Shin Yoshida, and Kishiko Miyagi. The music team was Taro Iwashiro, Hideki Okugawa, and Toshihiko Horiyama. Just like the last one, I have the manual for this one, so I don't need to go searching for the little blurb in the beginning. This one, again, is a little bit long, and again, apologies for butchering any Japanese words. In 1560 AD, the warlord Nobunaga Oda defeated his rival Yoshimoto Omagawa in Okihazuma. At the moment of supreme victory, Nobunaga was felled by a random arrow shot by one of Imagawa's bowmen. Against all reason, his demise did not mark the end of Nobunaga's fate. The evil he had wrought while on Earth had attracted the notice of the demon legions. Soon after his death, he was resurrected by the power of demons residing deep within the netherworld. With Nobunaga as their leader, demons began stalking the Earth and assaulting human beings. A young samurai named Samanosuke came to the fore. After numerous perilous battles, he finally defeated the King of Demons, yet the Nightmare, like Nobunaga himself, would not die. Nobunaga has ascended the Demon Throne. As King of Demons, he has vowed to achieve his ancient ambition of forcing all Japan under his oppressive rule. It is now several years later. A young warrior, Jubei, returns to his remote and once vibrant village, now in ruins. Destroyed by Nobunaga's minions with vengeance in his heart Jubei launches upon an epic and magical quest which will reveal his ultimate destiny Along the way he must earn the respect of confidants to help him battle Nobunaga's army of demons Overcome an onslaught of traps and defeat the king of demons so a little bit of my history here and I'm sorry if that kind of just went over the story elements of Onomusha 1. I, It's just kind of what the blurb is but my history with Onomusha 2 is Is not much. I don't remember a lot of this game other than the main character and the sub characters and I'll talk about those later. But I remember going to the mall and buying this and then reading the manual back to front on the car ride home. I don't remember much about this game other than bits and pieces. So it was kind of interesting to go back through it. Now in my memory I had thought that this one was a lot longer than the first. But to be fair, it only took me a good seven hours and that was me not remembering much. So it's still on the fairly short side. As for the cast of characters that you will play as depending on what choices you make and I'll illuminate that a little bit. There's Jubei, which is your main character. You almost always be playing as him. And then you have four sub characters. Now these sub characters are split into two groups and you can only befriend one out of each group So in the first group, you have Eke and Magoichi. Eke is is kind of your stereotypical kind of fat, bald guy, uses a spear, you know, drinks a lot, womanizes a lot, that kind of thing. And Magoichi is, if you know anything about Magoichi, it's, he's kind of all about the gun. So he barely even uses any bladed weapons. It's mostly just guns. And then in the second group, you have Oyu. And she is kind of a samurai. She wears a lot of western armor and she uses western weapons, so she's not quite a samurai. And then the last one is Kataro, and he's a ninja. He's part of the Fuma Clan, if you know about, you know, Fuma. A couple of things right off the bat that is different about 2. This isn't in a very localized place. You kind of go all over the place in this game. There is still a localized hub and that would be the town that you're in. So you'll spend a little bit of time in town talking to your your friends, buying, buying gifts, that kind of thing. And then you'll kind of go off on a spoke and finish that spoke like to the mine. And then you'll come back and you'll do the same thing again and then you'll go out somewhere else. It's not until about midway through the game where the town stops becoming a hub and you're just pushing forward. So it's not quite like the castle. Uh, Speaking of the castle, a good chunk of Gifu Castle from the first game is in this, but it's not fully there. You can't go explore it the same way you could in Onimusha 1. I'd like to get a couple of generalities out of the way, uh, mainly differences between 1 and 2. The graphics have took quite a leap forward, like not only in just the CGI, but also in just character models and animation. It looks quite a bit better than the first one, which is understandable as it was a launch game and all that. But even some gameplay things have changed. This game is much quicker. Even though it's a bit of a pain to stick and move while in tank controls, it kind of expects you to, especially in some boss fights. This game moves rather quickly. And part of that is because the enemies in this are relentlessly oppressive. Like in the first Onomusha, you could kind of just take things room by room, clear out this room, okay, it's done. And then take this room and clear it out, it's done. In this, the enemies will follow you, not through doors, but they'll follow you through an area. Also, sometimes it feels like they don't stop spawning. And I've stood around and fought for a good, you know, three, four minutes in one area, and they don't really stop spawning until you've cleared out a massive number of them. And this kind of works in the game's favor because the upgrade system from one is here. It's also downgraded a little bit in the fact that you can't upgrade items or your secondary weapon ammo or any of that, you can upgrade your armor here and you get four weapons instead of the three. Things take a lot longer to upgrade in this one than they did in the first one. Like, it wasn't until close to the end of the game that I even got my third weapon up to level three, let alone the fourth weapon. The armor is generally where you're gonna soak a lot of your souls into, but it's kind of worth it. Another new thing to the Onomusha series is the enemies will pretty regularly drop. Items whether it be like fire arrows or gold that you can spend things on that's mainly around just one area But throughout the whole game they're dropping things like herbs and arrows and bullets and things like that So if you're out of something you can generally just stick around kill a few enemies and you'll be good Another thing that's different is uh, boss fights there are quite a hefty number of boss fights in this Unlike the first one this game is kind of difficult it's not, again, like I said the first time, it's not Dark Souls, it's not Neo, <laughs> but it, it killed me quite a few times, and a lot of it took me by surprise. One of the big problems was, and this is for me, I'm not saying this is bad on the game, uh, they start using a lot more unblockable attacks. Enemies can just whip out unblockable attacks sometimes, and you really gotta be on your toes. And just coming from the first one, I was used to the much slower pace, so that took a little while to kick in. But yes, the boss fights. Bosses now also use unblockables quite a bit, so you've got to be moving all the time. And they definitely up the number of them. There are some repeating boss fights, like two mainly. There's kind of this spider guy. It looks like a drider, if you know Dungeons & Dragons. fans. What do you think you are doing? How dare you invade my territory? Just a little you- Why did you come here? I'm looking for a woman. I have no quarrel with you. Who do you think you're talking to? Do you think you're equal to one from the demon clan? Not equal. Better. And he appears two or three times throughout the game before you actually kill him and same for think of that trope of the demon swordsman that has a code of honor in this it's played a little bit for laughs because you know he speaks like um very victorian very stage like if he was on a stage he'd be chewing the scenery and that's gogan dantis <laughs> thank you for staying I'm glad you asked. My name is Coogentontis, the greatest swordsman of all demons. What's wrong with you? Who talks like that? So they kind of play him for like. You know what? Um, if you ever played this guy, I think something more along line of Vyres, right? Like that kind of mid boss, kind of played for last, but also can be a little hard sometimes. And there were I want to say probably four other boss fights not including the end fight where it pits you up against a Pretty good chunk of enemies as well as a boss type character Later on those will become regular enemies at the time that you have to fight them They're, they're quite difficult now staying on the combat your move set that you can access like straight out of the gate is much more robust than it is in Onamusha 1 you can do a constant overhead you can do once you're a little bit into the game, they call them secret techniques, but they're actually just like combos. And you know, you hit down, forward, square really quick, and you do like say with the spear, you do a six-hit combo, and generally that will knock something down. You're you can do a lot more actions in this, which is why it makes that stick and move a little bit easier. Now those weapons, you of course do get the electric sword again. Uh, you no know, no fire representative this time, which is kind of funny. Well, okay, it's not really funny, it was just, you know, kind of odd. Uh, but there is an, one of the new weapons is an ice spear, and the other one is a earth hammer. So think just like a big hammer, that's pretty much it. And, of course, the wind glaive is here, and that does come in quite handy, especially towards the last boss fight, because there will be bosses that will be out of your reach. There's at least two that I can think of right now where that wind weapon pays for all the souls that you've put into it double, just because of how easy it makes these fights. Other than that, you get your usual matchlock gun and your bow with fire arrows and regular arrows. Now, you can't take, say, regular bullets and turn them into burst bullets anymore. There's a separate section, I guess, for burst bullets and then there's just regular bullets. Same with arrows and fire arrows. They're not just kind of one thing. And, of course, some of the problems from having that Resident Evil-style static camera are here as well. Sometimes there will be an enemy that just kind of hits you from off screen. But generally, they'll always show the enemies or you'll even hear them. So you're spatially aware of where they are and you know they might be coming from the left. Even though, say, you can't see all the way down the left. But they do take steps to make it much easier to see where enemies are coming from. In terms of gameplay, I can't say I really have too many problems. I mean, the unblockables were a problem for me, but I don't think that makes the game bad. The only thing I think that I would put down as a ding is maybe the enemies are a little too aggressive. It's claustrophobic sometimes on how fast they all close in on you. I guess that's, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another kind of thing and whether or not you like that. For me, it was just an odd change of pace, that's all. They can stunlock you too, especially some bosses can stunlock you, so it's kind of hard to get out of that situation and you will have to burn some recovery items. But like the first game, they're very generous with the recovery items. So in terms of gameplay, it's kind of the same, but better. Think Street Fighter to Super Street Fighter 2. Or no, sorry, Street Fighter 2 to Super Street Fighter 2. And not really much has changed all that much, but it just feels better. It's quicker, it's more responsive. It just feels nice. So onto the new mechanics kind of thing. Like I said, there are these four sub-characters and there is a gift giving system in this. And if you've played any game with a gift giving system, you kind of know what you're in for. You know, you give Magoichi one gift, he'll, you know, give you a gift that may be better to go to Kataro. That kind of thing. It's just kind of a give and take. And like I said, you can only be friends with one of each of those groups. So it's kind of, you know, you take group A and you're like, eh, which one do I like more? And you pick one. I went Magoichi and you. just because I vaguely remember playing mainly with Kataro. The cool thing is that many of these branching paths in the game are quite worth checking out like they don't change vast amounts of things maybe you go through here and you hear a little bit more of Magoichi's backstory or you'll go here and he'll help you in a boss fight I don't know exactly what the trigger was but it seemed once I hit low health in a boss fight whoever your highest uh let's say affection was with would come and help you and they're no joke like, especially Magoichi, because he's long-range. He can just sit back and pelt the boss. And you can go in and be pretty free to just wail on the boss. So they're definitely worth making friends with. Some Any of them. The payoff for it is pretty good. And this is spoilers in case you do want to play it, but you don't want to hear about the end. Towards the end of the game, uh, say I picked Magoichi. Towards the end of the game, I have to kill the other person, Eke. And it's good that there are consequences for your choices. It's not just uh, everybody still remains friends. Like, you know, between Group A, Magoichi and Eke really don't get along, and Katara and Oyu don't get along either. So, it's nice to see that there are consequences and it's not just a happy band of adventurers. For the most part, that's kind of in the background. Now, the nice thing is, is once you do complete the game, it will tell you how much percent you've done in their storyline and bring up kind of this graph to show you where all the parts split. If you had taken Kataro, you would have went down the lower path of this graph. And if you take Magoichi, you go, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, So if you want to replay this many times and seven hours is not a great commitment, then you could probably get a lot more out of this game. I mean, I think now that's not as important. Now that games are so plentiful and fairly cheap for the most part on newer systems, but this was a lot of bang for your buck. Especially if you really liked it. So I appreciate that they threw it in there. Of course, there is the multiple little mini games. Like there's the Man in Black and there's Team Oni. Kind of think like Survivors. Oh, one thing I did want to mention on gameplay is Issen is still here. It's throughout the whole series. Here, it seems like the requirements are a lot stricter. Like I ended up relying more on the block at the last second and then hit attack to get the in that way, rather than hit right before they hit you. I don't know, maybe it was just that they mixed the timing up a little bit and I didn't get used to it until later in the game, but so watch out if you know you go from one to two, the timing for ISIN has changed a little bit. All right, so story-wise, let's talk story-wise for a bit here. So we start the game as Jubei, and of course, just like Semenosuke, you have a regular sword, nothing special about it. And so you come to your town and it's just in shambles. And you make your way through town talking to some town folk that are sort of alive. What did you make? Yes, gay! You... come back. You grow so strong. Are you alright? What happened? Go. No. You need to get yeah. out of here. Right there. Hey! Who did this? Yeske! Yusuke! And of course, you know, they die as soon as they tell you what happened. And you make your way to a shrine and you meet your mother, which is a snake lady. Because Jubei is, you know, half Oni, half human. Because otherwise, that wouldn't be very much fun. And she tells you, you have to acquire these five orbs. And that's when, you know, you move on, you go to town, you meet these people, and now you're in town. So you have to go to the gold mine. Once you get the permit to go to the gold mine, you clear that out of monsters and you come back. And this is where the meat of the game really starts, right? This is where you can start buying items fairly easily and the mission structure starts to open up a bit. And you'll kind of get into a cycle, like I said before, of what you're doing. Now, the one thing of note is you don't get a lot of warning that, yep, okay, mission structure ends here. You're not really going to go back to the town anymore. I kind of wish they would have said that because I would have bought the rest of the gifts and, you know, handed them out to people like I was Santa Claus. But that's kind of a small niggle. And once you get past that point, like the first it the story really picks up fast and doesn't really drop until you're at the end. So you're constantly meeting your partner, learning new things about them, pushing forward, learning new things about you and where you have to go to get the orbs. There's not really a moment of stop and think hmm, where do I go? Because they always have that fishing lore there to show you exactly where you need to go. Like, oh, you saw the orb on this boss as it was running away. I'm going to go follow it. That's obviously where I have to go. One weird part is this involves a lot more fantasy than the first one did. Now, now stay with me. I know the first one had like demon kings and wind glaives and all that fantasy stuff. But this goes to, like, airship and secret underground lair with machine fish that you ride on. It goes to a lot of weird places. This feels like a kind of wonky 70s Hong Kong movie. This doesn't quite feel the same isolated thing that the first one did. And I don't mind that at all. It's not like, oh, you ruined the integrity of the series. It's just, oh, okay. that It's kind of like going from Final Fantasy III to Final Fantasy VII. It's just kind of, oh, you guys went a little sci-fi. All right, this is cool. But for the most part, the story stays on its thread, and I really like that. And I think I already said that, so I should probably edit that out. The voice acting is as bad as the first one, and it's a bit of a shame because the story, I think, is a little bit better in this one in terms of just its breadth. So to have that kind of hammy, over-the-top acting and not have Gildenstern in it was a little disappointing. I mean, Gildenstern's here in, like, research notes and things you've left out, but not here in person. It does retain the first one in the Resident Evil thing of leaving notes, but the first one, I can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast, the first one left kind of not itchy, tasty notes, but notes about one person on his journey finding out about the demons. It was about a Buddhist monk. This one doesn't really do that to flesh out the back. These are more like scientific papers, so think later Resident Evil, where it's more about the world than it is about following a character in these notes. I found that a little disappointing. I did like, I love the notes and the artwork of the uh, first Onomusha, just because that I hadn't seen anything like that. And, of course, it reminds you of Resident Evil, and that's always good. Other than having to kill your companion, the story doesn't have a lot of surprise moments in it. It's kind of a stereotypical story of you get the orbs, you get the power, you meet Nobunaga, you're like, you're a bad guy, you kill him. That's it. The only thing that really surprised me that I completely forgot was, depending on what sub-character shows up at certain points in the game, you will play as them. And of course, I played as Magoichi and Oyu, and Magoichi is... Like you would expect, everything is gun-related. You know, you have a three-shot burst or, or you know, you kick them up in the air and you shoot them while they're up in the air, very Dante-ish. But his style of gameplay is very different than every other one just because everyone else is melee. It makes you approach situations with enemies that you already know very differently because when you're playing as a melee, you want to get up in their face, but they have long-range moves that you never really have to worry about when you're playing melee because you can just get up there. But when you play as Magoichi, things are a little different. I can't say Oyu is that different than playing as Jubei. But it's nice even if just to change a moveset, right? It happens at a point in the game where you might be starting to flag a little bit. And this is kind of a breath of fresh air. A breath of fresh air. The Dark Realm is changed to the Phantom Realm in this. But it's pretty much the same thing. I believe in this there's more floors though, I think. There's floors for your sub-characters and floors for Jubei. I believe there's 41 in total, if I can remember correctly. So, if you want to just get into a down, nasty brawl, those are the best places to do it. Do be careful, because archers, again, are the most annoying thing in this game. Like, they they know what they're doing when they put three archers up high and then four people down low. And you can't aim at the archers because you're going to get stabbed in the face. So, you just kind of have to keep dancing around. Man, I hate those things. Now, once you start getting towards the end, you know, that's when it starts wrapping up and you kill Fans for the last time and you kill Gogandantis for the last time. The Nobunaga fight does not pull any punches. Just due to the way he moves now, when he starts, he's on the ground and he's just kind of your big scary samurai monster with eyeballs all over the place kind of thing. Then, once you do enough damage, he switches movesets to one where he's in the air, and he starts hitting you with all different elements. I think the boss fight itself is fun, but that secondary moveset isn't fun, it's just a pain. Like, that's the point where you start bleeding resources fast. If you switch to your glaive and you just do magic attack, magic attack, and then you use the items to refill your magic attack, and then you just keep using magic attack. It's not fun. It's not even a test of your skill. It's just kind of a wall, it feels like, so you don't beat the game as quick. And then after that, it's kind of a fantasy fulfillment thing. And I should explain this. Since you suck in souls like normal in Onomusha, you know, you have your yellow souls, which give you health, your blue souls, which give you magic and your red souls, which give you the ability to upgrade things. Every once in a while, an enemy will pop out this big old fat purple soul. And up by your life gauge, there's five notches once that hits five you turn into the onimusha you know you turn purple your hair sprouts you look like an anime character it's all kinds of good stuff and you're invulnerable while the timer that was your life bar so if you have a stock life bar it doesn't matter how full it is it's just how big it is if you've upgraded it with power jewels it will get bigger but that's a timer you don't take damage but Everything you do kind of moves that timer down. Think like uh, Rage of Olympus in God of War. But it lets you fire projectiles. And you can just wreck a whole room that way. There is a little bit of strategy to where if you're sitting on four purple blobs. And a fifth one sprouts with a bunch of other souls. The purple blobs get sucked in a little slower. So you can kind of work when you want to turn into Onomusha. Because, you know, they don't happen very ...that often, so you're kind of worried about, uh, should I save this for a boss fight? But anyway, at the end of the game, when Nobunaga is finally killed... ...he transfers all his eyeball consciousnesses into this giant statue that they were building... ...because giant statues have been known to conquer whole countries... ...and then it becomes kind of a corridor fight, where the boss is in front of you... ...and, you know, you're looking at it from the back of your shoulder... ...and he keeps coming forward and shoots all kinds of attacks... And you're Onimusha the whole time. So, what you've been saving the whole, you know, for boss fights the whole game and difficult situations, you now get to use just with reckless abandon. And it's not very hard. Like, Nobunaga is definitely the wall there. This is more just, you know, yeah, finish him off victory. And the weird thing is, once you defeat him, the ending is incredibly abrupt. Like, it just stops. Now... I don't know many people now after the Marvel movies have come out where you just boop, turn it off as soon as the credits hit. But if you don't sit through the credits and all that other stuff, you really don't get an ending. So if you do finish it, make sure you sit through the whole credits thing because then you can save your game and go for a new game plus kind of thing. Yeah, they really didn't do much to wrap up the story or hey, maybe Jubei will be back kind of thing. Not like they do with Samanosuke, which... It is kind of funny once you beat, once you complete the game, it unlocks like kind of a teaser trailer for Onomusha 3, and I kind of miss when games used to do that because that was like, this game was great, I, you know, I'm all hyped for it. Oh look, it's the next one, you know, you could get kind of ride that excitement wave. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm recording this really late because I just finished the game. I want to get this done. So I did forget to mention that like the first Onomusha, Jubei is modeled after a real actor like Samonosuke was. And the actor was Yusaku Matsuda. Again, I don't know him. He's just kind of Jubei for me. This is kind of the end of Jubei. Like, Samonosuke comes back, but Jubei really doesn't unless you're playing Onomusha Blade Warriors. And I don't know if because the actor was dead at the time they made this, if they kind of just got the deal for one one game and then Blade Warriors... Because I always wondered why they t- they sewed up the story very nicely. They, they, there's not much more for Jubei to do. He just kind of goes home, hangs out with Oyu, and that that's it. But all in all, Onomusha 2 is, like I said, everything that Onomusha 2... Onomusha 2 is everything that Onomusha 2 is. Sorry, but all in all, Onomusha 2 is kind of what I said. It's Onomusha 1 with some extra elements in it like the friendship thing which isn't that deep it's just kind of hmm you like this okay you said you like to read about new things well of course you're gonna like the history books right i mean it's not like you have to suss things out and there's a lot of lines of dialogue you have to pay attention it's just kind of eh, the fat guy likes food who would have thought it so it's not too deep What it affects is kind of deep, and I like that. In in terms of straight gameplay, really all this adds is the Onomusha mode, you know, where you turn into the purple guy, and then expands your moveset a little bit. I think that's enough to warrant a second game. I am perfectly fine with, you know, here's a good idea. Hmm, let's expand on it and call it good. Don't go nuts with it, kind of like they did in the NES days. Uh, See, next we have Onomusha Blade Warriors. That's a really odd game. Like, that was during that time where Capcom was doing things like, you know, Red Hot Rumble. So, I'll have to see how that sits. I think that's going to be an odd one to give my thoughts on. Let's focus on this for right now because Onomusha 2 is perfectly acceptable. If you played Onomusha 1, there is literally no reason in the world why you wouldn't like Onomusha 2. I don't think, again, it's worth buying a system for, especially since, like I said before, PS2s are rising in price. This is You know, the game itself isn't hard to get your hands on, but a good working PS2 might be. So it has that barrier to entry. But yeah, I am very much looking forward to Onomusha 3. Not so much for Blade Warriors, but we'll see how it goes. Alright, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time.